Alcha. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for October 4th, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I come back to your digital village with more news from around the world and a discussion about something specific that I hope will get to your attention. This once a week podcast is hosted on rss.com and is also available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and Deezer. This show is free to subscribe to for now on these mobile apps with a donation tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com, much like passing the hat at the end of my visit to your village. Please share this podcast as much as possible in order to get push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Sean Kay, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under the village oak tree where I bring you headlines and my take from news feeds and relevant blog articles that I think are important, but sometimes lost in the shuffle of cable news. Some of these are somewhat obscure stories about climate change and the environment, racism, politics, and social injustice. For each article I present to you, there will be a link to read the stories in their entirety and the follow-up newsletters posted in medium.com, substack.com, and in the blog section of my website at crombiha.com. There's more about my website during the break. I will be taking a break once I've given you the headlines I picked out for this week. Then after I return, I'll bring you the second half with today's special topic. So today's topic, I talk about racism and modern-day slavery. It's right under our collective noses every day. So I will give you a heads up. I'm dog sitting this week and for the next few weeks, actually, until after Christmas. So if you happen to hear something in the background that sounds like a little puppy, please excuse me. My first story kind of falls right into what I call modern day slavery. Child marriage, what real grooming looks like in Canada and the United States. This still happens by Sam W. And he published this at medium.com. I've always advocated against slavery, whether it was in the past or modern-day slavery. I talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago when I went on a tirade about modern-day slavery, and I mentioned that child marriage is considered child abuse, and makes up half of the child abuse cases around the world we live in. Here in the U.S., they're bringing back minor child labor now. Underage marriages are right there with all of that. It seems that the, the once mighty United States is seriously regressing back in time to the pioneer days, when large families routinely married off their children as soon as they hit puberty to have one less mouth to feed. If you know of anyone who's trying to marry off a child under 18, please reach out to help groups like Unchained at Last, VOW for Girls, Girls Not Brides, Girl Up, International Center for Research on Women, and Save the Children, or any other local group in your neighborhood that might help them, even a church. Because underage child marriage is wrong. I don't care how you look at it. And I agree, it's, you know, there are some cultures who are all about that, but that doesn't make it right. My next story, sign of desperation, making it illegal to drive on roads to get abortions. Women still find ways to get help, support reproductive rights by Vanessa Goldman. And this is another article I pull out of medium.com. So, you know, I found this in my blog feeds. This is a good article on the state of abortion rights in the U.S. and the ongoing cultural battle for and against it. It looks like there is a slow start to a national pushback, likely by women voters who don't want a total ban. A lot more are speaking up, and even more are using any possible means to have their abortion, despite the laws in their states. 
A quiet revolution may be going on, and that is a good thing. And now I've got some, I don't know, humanitarian articles, I guess, social injustice. America helped my ancestors flee anti-Semitism. The Lakota paid the price. And this is about a book, and and it talks about the op the opportunity that Jewish immigrants found on the South Dakota prairie back in the 19th century, but what it cost Native Americans. And I got this from Politico.com. So this is a magazine article promoting a new book of the same name by Rebecca Claren. She talks about her Jewish ancestry from when her people came over from Russia in the late 1800s and settled in South Dakota, courtesy of the Homestead Act, pushing the indigenous people nearly completely off their lands given to them by another broken treaty. It's just another sad reminder of what the white Anglo-Saxon government did to everyone not like them back in the 19th century and continuing even now. She talks about how the poor immigrants were given the poorest lands and forced to improve them or lose them. Of course, the best parcels went to the rich white citizens and everyone else got the leftovers with the Native Americans getting nothing. Brave Texas Christians risk everything to support trans kids. The resistance network they're forming reminds me of Christian idealism that formed me as a child by James Finn. Again, another article I pulled out of Medium.com here in the last week. The writer here is someone I interviewed a few weeks ago, and his article here is a good one about a small handful of Christians who are risking all to help trans kids against the onslaught of Texas right-wing politics. It's a good start. Along with the African-Americans setting up black history education outside of public classrooms, and basically, that's what's going on here in the United States now. Groups of people are pushing back against all these, you know, right-wing crazy people and saying, hey, you know what, if you're going to, if the government's going to stop us from doing stuff, we're just going to do it without the government. And I've got more stories on this black education theme here. Um, I got two or three of them. So my next story is coming out of USA Today by Deborah Barfield Berry. Black History, Underground Railroad Forms Across U.S. After DeSantis, Others Ban Books. So history is repeating itself once again as African Americans come together across the country to make sure black children have access to their history books. Using churches and local meeting places, they're teaching the children themselves using banned books in certain states. It won't be much longer before this becomes a trend in other places as parents and others take up the mantle and read banned LBGTQ plus books outside the classroom as well. This may already be happening, but expect it to become more mainstream, further dividing the country on cultural issues. Lessons from Black Teachers of the Civil Rights Era. And I picked this one up today. And this came out of the Conversation U.S., uh, a bunch of writers who uh, get together and, and publish nonprofit news organizations. So during the civil rights era, black teachers were valued members of the community and often taught generations of family members. This is by Marley Bunch. So again, it's from an independent nonprofit news organization that publishes a media.com. It's a good addition to the previous article on the new Underground Railroad being set up around the country in red states now. The teachers in this new era will be like the ones described in that article. It's such a shame that the U.S. is forced to resort to things like this as the divisiveness gets worse in the United States. So I'm going to, now I'm going to segue into climate change and environmental articles. Shouldn't everyone sue big oil corporations now? As extreme temperatures awake, 
and alert people to loss and hazards. Legal action is yet another tool to consider. This is by Crystal Rivers, PhD, in Medium.com. So it's a good essay on the future of the planet and how much the young people of the world are starting to get up and demand change through the courts. I doubt I will see much of this, but I hope the next generation gets on board and sues the crap out of the fossil fuel industry for lying to the world about the harm it would bring for the last 60 years. And that's basically what this, this talks about, is there have been multiple studies going back to the 50s, and they wrote all this stuff up saying, yeah, they know fossil fuel and carbon emissions were going to hurt the environment, but we don't care because we need the profits. So then I picked up this other article here by grist.org. How does climate change threaten your neighborhood? A new map has the details. All 10 of the country's most at-risk counties are in the south, according to Climate Vulnerability Index, and half of them are in Louisiana. So they're saying 10, there's 10 at-most-risk counties in the, in the south, southern part of the United States, and five of those are in Louisiana. Imagine that. And this is by Kate Yoder in thegrist.org. The takeaway from this story is not all about the money involved with helping people, but the statistic that the worst neighborhoods are the ones populated by African Americans and Latinos, as if by design. Is this more systematic racism, you think? Now, this one's going to go overseas. Uh, it's another environmental article. Japanese scientists find macro microplastics are present in clouds. Japanese scientists have found between 6.7 and 13.9 pieces of microplastic in each liter of cloud water tested. And this came out of Al Jazeera. In past reports, scientists have rep discovered that microplastics are everywhere in the environment now, even in the clouds, apparently. So that not only is every living thing on a planet ingesting microplastics, it's in the rain and the snow clouds over our heads. There's no escape anymore other than banning plastic, and we all know that ain't happening anytime soon. We can only hope. I mean, what did we do before plastic was here? We used glass and boxes and other things, okay? We can go back to that again and not be, you know, and not have this stuff running through our bodies. Radioactive waste problems have plagued this St. Louis community. Where are the reparations? Welcome to the horror movie no one asked for. This from Sage Howard in the HuffPost.com. Sixty years ago, the feds tested nuclear waste chemicals on the poorest black neighborhoods to see what would happen. Much like the experiments in the South Pacific, these unsuspecting black people have been experiencing cancer and other related illnesses. White people just consider black folks as disposable people, and they can do whatever they want to them, whenever they want, especially back in the 1950s and 60s. This applies to all the testing sites around the country. Will the government ever own up to what they did to those people they deemed as disposable? They never performed these experiments in any of the affluent, not white neighborhoods anywhere. Now I wonder why. So now we're going to go to Michigan. It's a toxic dump. Michigan has become dumping ground for U.S.'s most dangerous chemicals. Out of USA Today by Keith Matheny. Another strike for Michigan's already dismal environmental performance. A regional toxic dump for the upper Midwest's most toxic and harmful and dangerous chemicals. The stuff is being brought in by truck and train, and the residents are scared. After the Flint debacle a few years ago, they have a right to be. Of course, the owners and the government all assure everyone there's nothing to worry about. 
course, now, if you believe that, I know a guy who has some private swamp land for sale. It's a great deal. Canada's largest Atlantic puffin colony, chicks are dying of starvation. Lack of food, warming ocean, threatened seabird populations by Chris O'Neill Yates in CBC News. CBC News. Now, if anybody doesn't know who that is, that's Canada. Overfishing of capelin, which is a kind of fish, by humans to be wiping out seabirds that depend on the fish for food, plus climate warming, driving a few fish that are left deeper into the ocean because of the warmer waters now. Scientists are finding the new chicks starving to death as the adult birds eat what little food there is. As one former commercial Canadian commercial fisherman says, maybe it's time to reevaluate the amount of fish being hauled out of the oceans. And what this article talks about here is that, you know, for as long as anybody can remember, the puff, Atlantic puffin fish on, on the Atlantic maritime places uh, been going, and now they're all dying due to lack of food. And climate change is to blame. And in this case, what this man says, overfishing. You think we could do something about that, maybe? So here's another environmental article here. No, the government isn't coming for your burger, but maybe it should be. Governments are making phase-out plans for gas-powered cars and coal-fired power plants, but have done surprisingly little on another set of potent polluters. And this article talks about how we should be cutting back on the amount of cattle all over the world. Amazon, Europe, and especially in the United States, you know, all of North America, because cattle are big pollutants, blow up because of what we feed them. So everything they take in, a bunch of methane comes out the other end. And, you know, in the form of gas and their fecal material all over the, all over the pasture lands that they're eating. So it's a big problem. And this article talks about, um, you know, how uh, we could eliminate cattle in a lot of our diets and eliminate some of this. So now my next article is kind of a feel-good article, okay? And, you know, the big thing about this is I bring you a lot of bad news. I like to throw in something that sounds good. So this one came out of the Guardian.com environment today by Damien Gale and Ajit Niranjan. Climate scientists face a sack for refusing to fly to Germany from Solomon Islands Archipelago. Dr. Gianluca Grimalda, told by Kiel Institute for World Economy in Germany, he must be at his desk on Monday after finishing field work. So, this guy was, this scientist was sent out to Bougainville on the Solomon Islands to research climate change on the area. He loved his job so much, he overstayed. Now his German boss is wanting him back into the office. Now, he refuses to fly as airplanes emit too much carbon emissions. He told him he would travel by merchant ship and trains and everything else to get to the office. But it would take him about two months to get there a journey that he says will save 3.6 tons of carbon emissions. I, for one, hope he wins his argument and gets to travel the way he wants to. U.S. government, now this is another, it's it's not a feel-good article so much, but in a way it's a little, it's a little bit humorous. U.S. government issues first-ever space debris penalty to Dish Network. Dish Network is an American media company. Dish to pay $150,000 for failing to pro- properly dispose of satellite and violating the FCC's anti-space debris rule from TheGuardian.com by Abinye Clayton. 
This is a novel story. This be this the beginnings of things to come. Space junk and the U.S. fining companies for polluting the upper atmosphere. I hope this trend continues to show the corporations that they can't just do whatever they want, when they want, just because it's out of sight, out of mind. So you can expect the FCC in the United States and maybe other, you know, that maybe the EU will follow suit and start fining these companies for not cleaning up their space junk above our heads. Now we're going to get into politics. Can Biden take on Trump and the MAGA movement's threat to America? Can we rescue our nation from the treasonous Republicans who are trying to shut down our government to help Putin while they continue to balance scrape to the rapist who would be king? And of course, we're now we're talking, you all knew who we were talking about. And this is from Tom Hartman in the HartmanReport.com. So this is a post from September 29th, and it's a good article about how Trump has subverted the democratic institutions in the U.S. for his personal gain and how the Russians helped him, much like what they're trying to do now. Biden is out there on his own to denounce and bring awareness that the MAGA movement is a danger to the country and needs to be stopped by the voters. Let's hope the message resonates with enough people to wake them up to the danger they're in before it comes too late. And that's a real truth. These people are very dangerous. And their supporters overseas are funding all the media stuff. This is another article here, kind of scary. How a Trump train attack on a Biden bus foreshadowed January 6th and echoed bloody history. And this came out of TheGuardian.com by Diane McWhorter. More Trump MAGA stuff. This article caught my attention as a portent of things to come within the next 12 months in the run-up to next November. It's a reminder that there are still a lot of very angry people out there who are going to use violence to try and get Donald Trump back into the White House. A lot of them have been arrested for the January 6th insurrection, but there's still a bunch laying low who didn't go to Washington that day. Wait and see. They will show themselves soon, and it will definitely make front-page news. And this is another one here. It's an article that's been kind of trending a little bit. Red Caesarism is right-wing code, and some Republicans are listening by Jason Wilson. This came out of another one that come from TheGuardian.com. Argument for a red Caesar to rule the U.S. may seem esoteric, but conservative think tank, think tank behind idea has connections to Trump. And as I said, it's, it's starting to trend with the ultra-rights now. The idea of a red Caesar is taking over U.S. government in a bid to stop crime, wokeism, whatever else they don't like. So if anyone needs a history lesson, this is what Julius Caesar did in Rome back in the day. He got tired of the corruption, so he used his soldiers to clean house and crown himself emperor. These fanatics want a repeat of Roman history and are looking for their own version of a Caesar to take the throne. Jim Jordan right now is kind of stepping up to that with the latest firing of uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy. Here's another article on Red, Red Caesar stuff, and this is from the HartmanReport.com. The GOP's Red Caesar new political order plan marches forward. Either the GOP will be crushed to near irrelevance in the 2024 elections, or they will win enough power to end the exper American experiment. Which will it be? So Tom Hartman spells it all out here, much like the previous article. The GOP is coming for the United States and all of its citizens. A large percent of them want an authoritarian leader and a fascist government for their own personal gain. Little do they know what they're asking for. Now I'm going to get into social injustice. Um, you know, a little bit here and there. Idaho planned abortion. Then it turned down supports for pregnancies and births. 
since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. The state's GOP legislature has disbanded a maternal mortality committee, failed to expand postpartum Medicaid coverage, and turned down federal grants for child care. This came out of ProPublica.org by Audrey Dutton. I told everyone before that Idaho is a haven for religious lunatics and the very restrictive white Anglo-Saxon Christians. Now, instead of helping all these women, they forced into pregnancies by ruling out any kind of abortion and refusing to let them leave the state, they shove it all back on the churches and the nonprofits to take care of them. They can't seem to make up their minds other than isolating themselves even more from the federal government. So the question is, is that the plan? to become self-sufficient enough to secede from the United States in their anger over so-called government interference in their lives. Hey, I say go for it. The way this place is acting up up there, I think they'd be, the United States would be better off without most of them anyway. Premier Smith says Alberta Preparing Sovereignty Act motion over federal emissions plan. Clean electricity regulations could lead to blackouts, say grid operators, by Joel Dryden in CBC News. Canada's province of Alberta is scared of the federal clean electricity regulations as they are heavily dependent on fossil fuels to keep the lights on in Alberta. She is vowing to enact this, this Provincial Sovereignty Act to secure her borders from Ottawa. This has been an ongoing threat for a while now. So is Canada starting to unravel a little bit, much like their American cousins south of them? So what the question is, what's going to happen next? Because New Brunswick is out there on the East Coast starting to kind of get in on a little bit of this. And we don't want Ottawa to interfere with what we're doing. In their, in their case, it's LGBTQ stuff. But Alberta right now, they're saying, no, you can't shut off our electricity uh, for a Clean Air Act until you get something better in place. So they're willing to kind of go to a little bit of a civil war with Ottawa over it. I got another Canadian article here. Open racism underpins Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson's bid for re-election. After jumping on the trendy anti-trans bandwagon, the ruling progressive conservatives are now counting on the unrepentant racism of social conservatives to carry the day. This came from Megan McKee. She's a former Canadian soldier. And this I got of medium.com, Prism and Pen. Another good article from this Canadian writer who's decrying the Canadian conservatives who want to mimic the American MAGA movement in Canada now. Premier Trudeau is having trouble hanging on in Ottawa against this onslaught of ultra-white conservatism that's coming from the French in Quebec, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. So I've talked about a lot. Here's another example of white European exceptionalism on display in North America. What will it take for all the non-white, non-descendants of the white Europeans to say enough is enough? We're tired of you white Anglo-Saxons beating us up and killing us all the time with a little to no justice. This needs to stop. Maybe when the white European descendants are so outnumbered, will they finally relinquish their abusive power struggles? But we're a long ways off from that. Now I'm going to go overseas. Sweden PM seeks help from military as gang violence rocks country. At least 11 people have been killed so far this month in a wave of gang violence sweeping over Sweden. This came out of Al Jazeera. It seems that the once idyllic Scandinavian countries are no longer so peaceful. Gang violence from approximately 30,000 people is sharply on the rise, and they aren't equipped to handle it. 
Some are blaming all the immigrants they let in the last few years, but it is usually a lack of work and incomes that drive people into gang life. The Swedes may have to reevaluate their immigration standards going forward, but meanwhile, the troubles are already way out in front of their abilities. The world, especially the EU, is watching this closely because what happens in Sweden is likely could happen some other places and the last thing the EU needs is, you know, little civil wars going on. Here's another article coming from Sweden. And this is from TheGuardian.com by Martin Gellin. Sweden used to pride itself on moderation until U.S.-style culture wars poisoned our politics. Donald Trump gave our resentful reactionaries a playbook to copy. The vitriol will be hard to put back in the bottle. This opinion piece from a Swedish-American writer is telling because apparently the MAGA revolution is starting to sweep the world, similar to the Arab Spring revolts from a few years ago. More and more countries are swinging right violently. A lot of people blame immigration the immigrants. But as this writer says, these right-wing tendencies were there all along. They just need an example like Donald Trump to let the gin out of the bottle to wreak havoc on the world's best democracies. And this one is from the Netherlands. Student gunman kills three in Rotterdam University shooting. An unknown person wearing combat clothing shot at people first in an apartment and after in the hospital, police announced. Another article from Al Jazeera. It seems that the American idea of shooting people in classrooms is starting to make headway in the EU now. Gang violence in Sweden, and now a mentally ill student killing somewhat randomly in the Netherlands. The Americans are spreading their violent tendencies around the world like a virus. And there's another article from the Netherlands. He came with a burning torch, I quote. Threats force one in four Dutch politicians to seek protection. And this I got from the Euronews.com. Toxic politics gleaned from the Americans is now creating major safety concerns for Dutch MPs and other government officials in the Netherlands now that they are in so much now they're having to hire private security or leave political office over fears for their lives and their family safeties. The Netherlands is just uh, one of many used to be peaceful European countries now, not so peaceful anymore over immigration and resource concerns. And as we know, it's only going to get worse. And this one here is basically not to necessarily to one country. A bunch of EU European diplomats felt genuine fear during chase by pro-settler activists in the West Bank. This comes from Israel. Foreign officials accused activist group in Tertsu of violently harassing them, stoking fears that the area is no longer safe for diplomats. And this came from the nationalnews.com. With Israel courting visa-free tourism in the U.S., which means a reciprocal visa regulation for them, the Israeli settlers want to throw the Palestinians off their land entirely because their God gave it to them thousands of years ago, and are now they are now terrorizing all foreigners, apparently, with impunity. The government appears to be backing them up. This is who we are in business with here in the U.S. We have expelled their spies while selling them arms. We lean, over, we lean over backwards for them since World War II, and this is how much they care what the rest of the world thinks. It's no wonder they're playing nice with the Saudis. Like minds think alike. Now I'm going to jump over here to the, to the UK. This is one of my weekly letters from Ireland. Adding insult to injury from Kieran Quinn, the Sinn Féin representative to North America. And this, uh, this comes from his letter in the Friends from Sinn Féin. 
more and more Great Britain is coming under attack from all sides, and they're giving the world a finger. They are fighting among themselves over everything, firing TV broadcasters and newsroom writers over public misogynistic remarks, fighting over their failed immigration policies, and backing out of environmental agreements is starting to become normal in Great Britain. And to add to the mess, Ireland may actually take them to the EU World Court over the legacy bill they ran through without thinking it through, and they still had enough world clout to ignore their abuses during the troubles. The British government is failing everyone. They're learning the hard way that ignoring problems and sweeping, sweeping things under the carpet isn't working anymore. There is, there is no more British Empire. They just need to accept that. Now we're going to go back to here in the United States. In the U.S., fights over Ukraine aid, allies fear deeper global harm. Washington has led the response to Russia, but domestic political spats raise worries about commitment. And this came from www.wsj.com politics. This is by Daniel Michaels in Brussels, Lindsay Wise in Washington, and Lawrence Norman in Berlin. Now, I don't normally pick stories up about the Ukraine because they're all over the news cycles. And anybody can read them on almost every front page. But I made an exception as I read this, read this piece in the Wall Street Journal outlining the internal squabbling going on in, in the U.S. about funding the war. It just strikes me as stupid that these GOP idiots want to defund the aid the U.S. is providing, pretty much opening the gates of hell to the Russians. Anybody with common sense knows that Ukraine is not the only target for Putin. If the U.S. backs off, as it says in this article, the Europeans do not have the resources to pick up the slack, so Russia will overwhelm, overwhelm Ukraine quickly and roll into other countries the USSR used to control. Is this what these idiots want? Is that their mission objective? To give Eastern Europe back to the Russians? Well, there's been a whole lot of articles trending on the Internet about this. That may, then that may be their goal especially the, the, the hard-right Republicans in this country. So I picked up another article from the Hartman Report by Tom Hartman. Is the new warfare battleground on social media and in the, in the Internet? So now it's largely up to us, you and me, people who value democracy and want to see a world safe from tyrants and want to be tyrants like Putin, Z, MBS, and Trump. So Tom Hartman finally lays it all out here, something what I said last week. Social media is being used to roll a world with pointed disinformation, forcing progressive media out of business to promote authoritarian takeover in the United States. More money for the global billionaires and social media companies and right-wing media. The U.S. has a big fight on their hands to turn us around. Question is, will the voters finally wake up between now and November 2024? And this is a follow-up article from something I gave you a while back. U.S. deal with Marshall Island lapses without renewal. But COFA talks continue. Micronesia and Palau reaffirm ties. The Compact of Free Association, COFA Pact, which has steered ties between Washington and the Marshall Islands since 1986, expired on Saturday. The Biden administration successfully agrees on a renewal with Micronesia and Palau, the two other Pacific Island nations with COFA Pacts with the U.S., but Kushbu Razdanen in New York by SC, the South China, you know, South China MP News. This is a follow-up story from something I mentioned, also regarding China courting certain South Pacific island chains that accused the U.S. of abandoning them and were courting Chinese money to keep them afloat. 
This article says that the U.S. is still in agreement for help with defense, but the economic assistance agreement has lapsed, and the State Department isn't showing much signs of interest in renewal. Will the Marshall Islanders turn their backs on the U.S. and seek aid from China? Well, time will tell, but they were already courting them, as I mentioned in the past. Now that this deal has lapsed, maybe they will. And what's the U.S. going to do when China starts landing in their kind of backyard out there in the South Pacific? So that was my last article that I have for you this week. And now it's time for me to take my break. So I'll be back in a couple of minutes. And at that point, I'll come back and we'll talk about modern day slavery and racism and how they kind of tie together. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crombiha.com. You may use the link in the newsletters to find it for the first time, as the name is in Gaelic and a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like what I write, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, there is a homepage where you can learn a little more about what Crombiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little bit more about me in general. I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast newsletters. I also have a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts and Spotify, a page with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you enjoy reading short stories, poetry, and blog articles from great writers around the world, I recommend Medium and Substack as great choices to find what you like to read about most and dive in as much as you want. Disclaimer, if you want to read my complete articles and stories in Medium.com, you will need to sign up for a subscription of $5 a month or $50 a year. I offer everything for free for one month in Substack, then it's $5 a month or $30 a year with an advert to sign up on my web pages. These are the minimums these companies will allow me to charge, unfortunately. All the stories, poetry, and newsletters I write will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to subscribe to anything. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I will respond very quickly via email. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. This week I want to talk some more about modern day slavery and systematic racism. It is everywhere in the world and it causes devastating effects on nations and large populations within nations, primarily in Western countries. To start off, I found this article last Friday about some Bangladeshi men who were caught up in another scheme to create free labor by false advertising and kidnapping once they arrived in Vanuatu. That's an island paradise out in the South Pacific as it was billed, that had very lax laws on human traffic and enslavement. Paradise Prison, how 107 Bangladeshis became enslaved on a Pacific island. Instead of being given legitimate jobs, 107 men from Bangladesh were enslaved in Vanuatu, working under the threat of violence and even death. And I got this from aljazeera.com by Priyanka Srinivasan. You know, the, Vanuatu was fixed the program 
and they fixed their loss. But it was mainly because of this story. And it doesn't, it doesn't erase the abuse and torture these men incurred while they were locked up there. One man is so afraid to go home to Bangladesh now because he's worried about the, the, the criminal's family that he is, you know, he's got to, trying to get his family members to come to Vanuatu. He's, a, he's requesting asylum and he's having trouble with that. This is what the world has come down to now. Slavery is ramping up everywhere and these bad people exploit out-of-the-way country laws to their advantage. There used to be quite a few stories about the massive Chinese fishing fleet that was enslaving men and women from Southeast Asia and Malaysia, kidnapping them right out of their fishing villages and chaining them to the boats to go to work. And they're probably still doing it. They just don't, you don't see much of it in the news anymore. Then there was a story I told everyone a few weeks ago about Cambodian warlords using false job advertisements to coerce Vietnamese and Laotians to go to Cambodia for work, and they ended up working for criminals as slaves. In Africa, the European and North American corporations are using a form of endangered servitude to make Africans work the mines for next to nothing. Rich Arabs in the Middle Eastern countries abusing and killing Filipino housekeepers while not paying them a living wage or nothing at all. You get the picture. Modern-day slavery is everywhere and has many names. And to emphasize this, I have another article from a medium writer that attempts to help us identify human trafficking. Do you even know what human trafficking means? The DOG defines human trafficking clearly, but most people only acknowledge one aspect. This is from Bonnie J. Sludikoff in Medium.com. So then there are the issues of child marriages. I mentioned a little bit in the first half. Girls as young as 10 years old being sold off to wealthy older men for a dowry so the poor family can eat another day. Young boys in Afghanistan sold off to wealthy men to be used as playthings, something I witnessed firsthand when I was over there in 2002. So this is going on in several other countries around that part of the world, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and so on, and it's accepted as part of their culture. It doesn't make it right, but the people are so poor that they accept it as part of life. As I've said many times over, slavery is just another word for human commodity trading. As long as there is a market for the sale of humans of any age, there will be sellers who don't care about morality, only the money the slave trade brings in. Hindu families pay a lot of money for marriage brokers to find a wealthy family to sell their daughters to. The Chinese do the same. My wife was given to a wealthier family back in 1984 for a dowry. Then she was abused by this spoiled man throughout their marriage. She was finally granted absentia divorce in the U.S. in 2013. A lot of them don't get that. Girls are a commodity to be traded off for dowries. My own people in Ireland practiced this for hundreds of years, courtesy of the Catholic Church. This practice is still being carried on in some of the wealthiest countries today, even in North America. And I'm not talking about cultural immigrants like those from China or the Middle East. We're talking about white, Christian, Anglo-Saxon, affluent families who marry off their children for some kind of financial windfall. Now granted, these children are adults, sort of, at least in age anyway. You know, as far as that goes, they're adults as far as the legal age of consent. But they are told who to marry, and the parents make the arrangements with the other prospective in-laws for whatever our dowry is agreed on. The vast majority of middle class and lower income people rarely deal with this as a rule, but it does happen. 
if a young person meets another from a wealthy family and they want to get married, the wealthy patriarch may impose financial conditions that must first be met. European-style marriages are based on the contract system. Most times it's a contract between two people, but a lot of times it's a contract between two families and love is secondary. Is this a form of slavery? Ask the young people being used as financial commodities. Ask the children involved in arranged marriages set up between the parents when they're only tens years or even less. What about child labor? Is it monetary slavery to entice a minor to work like an adult but pay them less than minimum wage or not at all? What about working on a family farm? Something I did as a kid. Long hours and heavy lifting with no pay but room and board. Is that endangered servitude? Well, the textbook version it is. What about the kids getting hurt or killed doing adult skill level work on farms and factories everywhere? Is that why parents are encouraged by the Christian churches to have as many children as possible? To replace those who are killed or maimed while working? I would have thought that in this century we were beyond that, but maybe not. How does this tie into systematic racism? Well, it works like this. A lot of white descendants of the Europeans still think, deep down, that the other humans of the world are inferior to them. Most will tell you that they are not racist, but very few would let a darker-skinned person sit at the supper table with them. They are others. They're okay to work with or hang out a little bit in public, but invite them to the house for a sit-down meal? Yeah, not so much. No offense, man. I'm sure you have all heard this at one time or another. Of course, they are the outright white supremacists who are always trying to get attention. We don't need to say any more about them. These same people who want to be your friend outside their homes and sanctuaries would be the same ones who will look away if the government brought slavery back and all the African Americans, Latinos, Asians, and Middle Easterners were all rounded up and put in chains. There are more of these types of people than you think. They're hiding in plain sight everywhere you go. There are a few people, just as there were back in the slavery days, that would welcome anyone into their homes and sanctuaries now, me being one of them. Just not enough to carry the day. It means there's not enough of us to uh, push the politics. They would abdicate for you if slavery were brought back. They would march for you like they did during the Black Lives Matter marches. Would they fight for you? Not as many as you would think. majority of them are lots of talk, but a little action beyond peaceful marching, as long as somebody keeps taking their picture. There's a reason why there is systematic racism in wealthy societies. Money. The wealthy elitists are making a lot of money by suppressing the darker-skinned humans, by crying out that the white-skinned people are more intelligent and stronger than others. They can manipulate public opinion with fear. Fear of losing one's tribal identity, something they've been doing for hundreds of years. Back in the bad old feudal days, that was how they kept the money flowing upwards, convinced the uneducated peasants that, the, that only the nobles could keep them safe from the others outside their little kingdoms, and that's why they were being taxed. The same for nation states. The Catholic Church had monarchies so scared of the church and eternal damnation that they tied the church in huge amounts, all the while bankrupting their citizens. The Christian churches embraced systematic racism in a form of religious racism. After the Roman Empire morphed into the Roman Catholic Church, their church decided that anyone who was not a Christian believer in the known world had to be convinced to convert to the new religion or suffer the consequences. You know, that usually meant being conquered by a Catholic army. 
which meant enslavement for the remnants of the conquered tribes as they were slowly converted to Christianity as a way to get out of slavery. They really weren't that much better off, but being told that they were better than slaves went a long way mentally back then. Then the extreme Protestants picked up the religious racist flag and made things worse in a lot of places. Catholic Ireland and North America, for example. His philosophy morphed into what we have today. A belief that if you are not a Christian, Muslim, or a Hindu, you're an infidel and to be treated as the enemy, a slave, or ignored altogether. Read the news from India about all the abuses the Hindus are heaping on the Muslims or the Christians over there. In North America, the white descendants of the Europeans are having trouble accepting the fact that they are slowly becoming a minority and that the color of one's skin is becoming more irrelevant these days. They continue to try and play the race card against all those who don't look like them. But it's getting old and tiresome. The white Christian patriarchs are struggling to maintain their power over everyone and they, anyone else they consider beneath them, as more and more darker-skinned people arrive from other countries seeking sanctuary. And the younger generations are a little more accepting than their parents. The fight is getting more intense in each, in each four years election cycle with conservatives vying with each other over who will be the meanest to the asylum seekers. They think that by telling the white voters that they are being replaced by the darker-skinned humans, this will get them enough votes to be elected to these coveted government offices. Little do they know that the time of the white majority voting bloc is waning. Or maybe they do, and that's why they're behaving so irrationally. But suppressing the darker-skinned voters and scaring the white voters they help to use that fear to get elected. And it's not working out so great anymore. During this next election cycle, the U.S. has three darker-skinned candidates trying to become the next president. Two are descended from immigrants from Southwest Asia, and one is an African-American. A large portion of the white voters won't vote for them because they are others, and a bit too radical for most people, regardless of skin color. The extreme Republican political party is doing all they can to make sure they take over the U.S. government any way they can. A lot of people think they will turn the U.S. into an autocratic government model after the Russian oligarchy. If the Democrats could find another Barack Obama, that person might have a chance to make it. But there are none to be found these days. And he seems to have been a one-off, unfortunately. And so, systematic racism between the whites of European descent and all the others continues unabated. In Europe, tribal ethnicity is rearing up everywhere now. Slovakia is deploying troops to the Kosovo border again. Sweden is deploying the army to quell gang violence. Canada's provinces that are threatened to separate over immigration, LGBTQ issues, and sovereignty issues. Poland is moving to the right in their politics. Finland and Italy voters elected right-wing governments. Spain came very, very close. Israel is moving quickly to the right, because the settlers over there are demanding it. Modern-day slavery is increasing once again as the world's nations continue to suffer economic decline. The heydays of the civil rights movements are long gone now. The only hope for equality is to vote out the white descendants of European colonizers, replace them with darker-skinned folks who want to actually take care of their constituents for a change. But even among the African-Americans, they're hard to find now. Look at Clarence Thomas and Tim Scott. Is that the best the African-Americans in the United States can come up with? Are Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy the best the Southwest Asians can come up with? What about the Latino community? Where are their good candidates? Everyone needs to stop being afraid of the white European descendants. 
vote out the old and infirm and the crazies and elect saner ones. But given the current state of affairs within the government now, this doesn't sound like it will happen anytime soon. There are more and more nationalistic political parties winning elections these days over fears of others invading their cultures, with more coming. And as I said, there are more coming because Slovakia just voted in a, pro, a pro-Russian government. Other democracies are holding on by mere threats, the United States being one of them. Instead of eliminating systematic racism in countries, it's going to just get worse. Slavery will continue to get worse as people get desperate to continue their affluent lifestyles and corporations will become more desperate to keep the profits flowing upward to their executives. There is no positive answer for this calamity. Racism has been around since the first city-states started conquering other city-states for resources, slaves being one of those resources. Not a lot has changed in over 6,000 years. Slavery is not as open as it was before the Industrial Revolution, but racism will always be part of the human condition and slavery a byproduct of that tribal racism. Racism can be eradicated, but it would, be, it would require an immense effort from all of the human race, and I don't see that happening anytime within the next thousand years or more. The human race will likely be largely gone by then from the toxic environment they're creating now. But maybe, just maybe, they will change someday and become more tolerant of one another. Wouldn't that be nice? So that's all I've got for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you with my Joseph stories and thoughts. So I'll close out the show with my question and last thoughts of the week. Do you consider yourself a tolerant person who accepts other humans as equal humans? Or do you think darker-skinned humans from less developed countries are an inferior species? I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. You'll return again for another episode of The Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. Just search for The Village Oak Tree in your favorite podcast app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under The Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Key, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness go through your door. Schlango Foyle, which means goodbye for now in Irish.